boots. No, Charlene, I won't have it. Hello, Michelle. Hi, 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 Geordie. Hi, hi, hi. It's magic. What's going on? <laughs> We've already burst into song. And because we've only just pressed record they missed the first song the listeners didn't they which one you've got the boof you've got the boof that uh na 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 god i hate that song so much i hate that band i hate that band too and i got in trouble because i thought they were german they're swedish rock set rock set rock set I said, I hate this German band. Andrea said, they're Swedish. <laughs> oh, double, <laughs> double and blow. I tell you, you cannot throw shade on the on the rock set if you're connected in any way to a Swede. They are legends. They are national yes. treasures. One of them's died, sadly. One of them died. Yes, the girl died. They were married with children. What? Awful. Yes, they were a couple and they had kids and she died of cancer. And... Oh. She didn't speak very good English, didn't she? She had to learn the English words just well, by... Well, that's why it sounds like that. <laughs> you got a look. Stop it. Your fiancé will be angry at you. He's going to come out raging in his robe. Come out swinging. <laughs> swinging. How dare you slam How the sweets. <laughs> For people who can't see me, She's in a robe. I do have the boof. Oh, and a boof. Boofed up, robed up, ready to record. Another episode for you lovely listeners, the eavesdroppers, because that's what you're doing. You're eavesdropping on me, Geordie. And I'm Michelle. This is Eavesdropping the Podcast, where we talk about all things real life, true crime, supernatural. All things bright and beautiful. (laughs) Funny you should say that. Because I got some religious stuff coming up, but hold that thought. Okay. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about television, because... I watched a great movie last night, Triangle Ooh. of Sadness. I said sadness, not saggy, <laughs> sadness. Triangle of Sadness, which is amazing on so many levels. Wow. It stars Woody Harrelson, but he's not the main character. They're all actors I've never seen of or heard of before. It's amazing. Check it out. I will. And do you know what? I did not know this, but did you know that? Woody Harrelson's dad is a murderer. What? <gasps> That's a story, Michelle. It's a story. Pin that. We're going to do we not that. Know we'll this. Come back to that. How do we not know that Woody Harrelson's dad's a murderer? Wow. Pin that for sure. Listen, I just want to segue out of the Telerex for one moment, like Michelle's just done, because talking about things that we should know that we didn't know. Last week's episode, Michelle was absolutely correct. I went back and listened to an old Hoarders episode. Yes, you did tell me everything about Glenn Britner, the rat man you called him. And uh, <laughs> I thought maybe had I forgotten because I wasn't listening. But in the episode, I was very engaged in that story. <laughs> very engaged. So I don't know what happened there. Yes. It completely left my mind. <laughs> so apologies. In fact, last week's recordings... Let's just let him in on a little bit of a trade secret. We had a bit of a nightmare, didn't we? Because we did an extra droppings interview with the wonderful musician, songwriter and YouTuber, Benjamin Cartel. Don't know if it's up yet. You um, Patreon listeners will hear it when it is. Something went wrong technically. I'm not going to say what, but something went very badly wrong on many sides. Everybody was at fault and we lost the recording 
and we lost the episode that we had recorded. Then Michelle left this country and her luggage didn't make it with her, which had all of her equipment in. So this is what we, we had blood, sweat and tears, guys, to get that episode out to you (laughs) last week. It was cutting it fine. It was cutting it fine, but we didn't. We did. And I wanted to say I'm quite surprised that researcher and all-round Hawkeye, Al Taggart, has not been in touch about the pronunciation of cadaver Oh, yeah, I know. I said cadaver. I said cadaver. 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 It was cadaver. It annoyed me when I listened back as well. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Apologies. Apologies all round. I think it's time to drop a jingle here, Michelle, because there's just too much to apologise for. Apologies from me. Apologies to you. Why do I always sound so Australian? So back to the Telerex. Oh, yes. You have more. Of which I have many. Oh, yes. Do you know what? I actually feel like I need to start a whole new page, which is Mm. just our Rex. Television recommendations. Exactly. You know, you might remember, oh, they mentioned something and then you go back, you can't remember which episode it is. So maybe I've got to have a a hot list. Telerex hot list. On the website. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Don't go looking for it anytime soon. I've got to do that. But yes, coming up. She's got to run a comb through that hair first. That's going to take a bit of time. (laughs) Um, So husband and I, we have been half watching things like The Tourist and The Newsreader. Haven't finished either of those. Don't fancy going back to The Tourist, actually. I think I've lost interest. However, Trigger Point, starring the wonderful Vicky McClure of Line of Duty fame as a bomb disposal expert or expo, they call them. In season two of Trigger Point. <gasps> this season we two. We smashed that in about two nights. I it's did so not good. know there was a season two. I'm so excited. Yes. I love season brilliant. one. brilliant. She's great. Unstoppable. I couldn't stop watching. So good. I want more. Wonderful. I know when you want more and there's no It's like more. slow horses. Just want more. Mm, I've got to get and onto that. Line of Duty. Well, I did watch... The movie everyone's talking about. Oh, yes. Saltburn. Yeah. And? (laughs) Well, it was okay. I just didn't really... There were a couple of moments which were a bit... What the fuck? Yeah. All I'm going to say is blood and dirt. And once you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Bloodbath and dirt, I would say. So, Jen, how did she find all those shocking scenes that you found shocking, that I found shocking as well? What did she think? Oh, I love that. Oh, that was interesting. Oh, that's not shocking at all. I've seen that before. No, the bits that I found shocking doesn't even make a blip on her radar. Was she in the kitchen making a cuppa? Oh, well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) For all three of those shocking scenes. Shocking moments of salt burn. I was watching it with Andreas. He just went, this is weird. I was like, oh, my God. I'm a talker. He's a quiet watcher. Yes, it is weird. Full stop. Full That's stop. it. Salt burn. Did you enjoy the film, though? Not really. I thought it all got a bit too wrapped up a bit too easily at the end. Like, boom, mm. boom, boom. It was very pretty to look at, though. I have other recommendations. Safka, who is, you've called her a white witch. I'm going to call her a television critic. She has got the good wrecks, I tell you. She's got the yeah. goods. She's given me a bunch. Okay, here we go. There's an Andy survival, because she was the one who told us about Society of the Snow, which was one of the best films I've ever seen. There's a documentary of the survival of those guys called Who We Were on the Mountain, which is on Netflix. Also, 
the making of We Are The World, which she says she hates that song. I'm with you on that one, Safka. But she reckons that the documentary might be quite interesting to watch. And I would agree. Look, Bante, do they know it's Christmas? Fun. Duran Duran. Yes. It's got everyone in it. Boy George. Boy George. George Michael. Fantastic. Then We Are The World. I know. We Are The World. But um, I think there's an interesting story behind it. So I'm. I bet there is. I'm looking forward to that. And... It's from our favourite decade. So what's not the to 80s, love? Absolutely. I've got more though. There's also something called The Greatest Night in Pop. Maybe that is the making of the world. We are the world. I'm not sure. Bit confused there. Sorry, Safka, if I messed that up. I've had something in from Rains Park, Mark. No longer in Rains Park. Wonderful. Let's not come up with another nickname though, because we know how those things go. That's always quite troubling. I know. Yannicka's pussy. Stop it. Um, Mark, Rains Park <laughs> Mark, hasn't been well. Get well soon, Mark. He's had the small C COVID and he's smashing things on Netflix left, right and centre. The thing that he recommends is something that looks intriguing, Michelle. I haven't watched it yet. It's on Netflix as well. Go Netflix. It's called... American Nightmare. And I believe that it's, I think it might be a documentary style, something about a potential murder. I don't know. It looks amazing though. And he says, hold on to your socks. I'm always holding on to those socks. (laughs) Hold on, they might come flying off. Wow. Okay. I've got to pop all those telewrecks somewhere so everyone can find them. Now, we did have an email from listener Charlene. And she said... Thank you so much for looking into Hills Baldwin. Do you remember? Hilaria. Hilaria yes, Baldwin. That was her recommendation. That yes. was a request from Charlene. I know that we've tried to put the travel pussy to bed, but she does say on the subject of the travel pussy and its UK availability. Oh, is Charlene a UK listener? She might be. So she says, on the subject of the travel pussy and its UK availability, I was searching for ice packs on the Boots website. (laughs) And at the top of the search results was this. No, not at Boots. No, Charlene, I won't have it. No. It's called a fleshlight. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Ice crystal male masturbator pack. On Boots website. On Boots. Dear God. And if you put ice pack in, top of the queue, top of the pot. I am horrified at that. Charlene, thank you for raising that. It's like nearly 60 odd quid. And she said a bit pricier than the vending machine version. But this can also be used on the go. (laughs) On the go. I imagine it to be like, you know, do you remember edible knickers? I imagine it to be of that kind of texture and durability. (laughs) For 60 quid, no. No, but the travel one, the one in the vending machine that's a 5.99 job. Yes, I mean... One wipe wonder. Do you remember you could get flavoured condoms like, oh, strawberry and banana and oh, Yeah. This one, the key here is the word fleshlight. So imagine... What's fleshlight? Is it like it lights up or... I'm going to just say, imagine the base of a torch, a flashlight right oh oh it took a moment to land there's a gripping handle it's more that that's the cylinder oh the receptacle the receptacle hell honestly this is too much it's too much much. (laughs) but she does go on to say it also has some great reviews so maybe another time we'll go through those oh really (laughs) but thank you charlene thank you so much for writing in and sharing your uh Boots find. Boots. I've got a lot to say today, Michelle. Should we launch into our story? Yeah, let's do it. 
Well, this one's another listener recommendation. In fact, one of our lovely listeners, Linda, Mm -hmm. who has written a fabulous story for us in the past about cancer in our first series as a cancer survivor. Please go back and listen to that. It's really incredible. Called The Other C Word, in case you're looking for it. That's the one. Thank you, Michelle. So she wrote in and blew us all the way. So I'm actually going to read out her letter before telling you the rest of the story. Here goes. This is in Linda's words. On the 5th of December, my dad Peter passed away. As Geordie knows, he has been in and out of my life for much of my adult life. He has suffered from mental health issues all his adult life and he was an abusive and extremely difficult man. In the last 10 years, he's come back into my life, albeit at arm's length, because he was so difficult. However, he was trying to make amends, and as much as he could care for other people, I do believe he cared for my sister and me. Along with his mental health issues, there is a long history of drug use dating back to the 60s. Typical of the time, he was taking psychedelics, speed, mushrooms, and smoking a lot of pot. He continued to smoke marijuana throughout his whole life, and this definitely impacted on his mental health conditions. So paranoia, conspiracy theories, grandiose and fantastical ideas, delusions of grandeur, etc. Throughout his whole life, he was searching for peace, purpose, meaning and to fit in. This, of course, made him vulnerable. During a period of homelessness, he was introduced to two organisations. The Society of Friends, otherwise known as Quakers. And I think they're quite nice, the Quakers. They do the porridge, don't they? They do the porridge, As an aside. Yeah, quite nice people. In fact, I've got some in my extended in-law family. And the Brahma Kumaris World Spiritual University. While both these organisations at some point helped him and offered him some peace and security for a time... He was so unpredictable and changeable that he never stuck to anything for long or became fully committed to a belief system, practice or lifestyle. For about 15 years, my dad has had a rural property in New South Wales. He loved farming, growing fruits and veg, and generally the peace of this place. He named it Songbird Sanctuary. Beautiful. Lovely name. As he became more elderly, he suffered from significant health issues like many men who were not married, didn't look after his health, and he frequently went on to vegan, macrobiotic or whatever else took his fancy diets. In 2015, he was confined to a wheelchair due to extensive nerve damage from uncontrolled diabetes and was allocated a government house by the Disability Trust in the ACT. He was in a wheelchair, but he was still independent, managing his massive garden and rural property. He was driving, playing music in several bands and living independently. Doing well. Yeah. He continued to have significant bouts of mental health issues, which would result in him being scheduled via court orders. I don't know what that means. I think if you're scheduled, doesn't that mean you're committed, forcibly put into a mental health facility? Sectioned. Sectioned, I would say. They call it in this country, yeah. Over the last five years, my dad was trying to plan for his future, as he's getting older, that's fair enough. He was coming to a realisation that he could no longer stay at his beloved Songbird Sanctuary for long periods or manage the property. We discussed various options and he applied for aged care assistance, which I have to say in Australia is amazing. Mm. They they want to keep people at home for as long as possible and they make that almost doable, I think. I'm not sure, but I think it's quite good. And along with help from the government disability scheme, he felt he would be able to maintain himself financially. He asked me to be his enduring guardian, hold power of attorney and to be the executor of his estate, to which I agreed. He also decided to sell his property and wanted to gift the proceeds to my sister and I, as this would interfere with his government support. 
After this was put into place, Dad started to have numerous fantastical ideas about setting up a spiritual community on his property and getting back to country as well as providing a home for fire-affected victims. For those who aren't Australian, getting back to country would mean honouring the First Nations people and giving it back in a way, I guess, to the people who owned it first, which are the Indigenous population of the area. While all this sounds wonderful, he wanted organisations to invest in his property while he maintained ownership. You can see where all this is going. No one was interested. He fell out with all the local real estate agents, tried to sell the property himself and eventually came up with a deal with the Brahma Kumaris to gift them 51% of his property if they agreed to look after him for the rest of his life. The Brahma Kumari spiritual leaders convinced him that he was the right hand of Krishna reincarnate. Oh, God. This appealed to his delusions. Mm. He started talking about bringing world peace and having visions from his third eye being opened. And three days before my dad died, he changed his will and left 51% of his estate to them, 39% to the Quakers and 10% to my sister and I. The Brahma Kumari's people, representatives, came down from Sydney to the property to have a look, but when they found out he came with it, they turned it down. He realised he'd made a mistake and contacted his solicitor, but died that night. Oh my God. Tragically. The will was witnessed three days after he died. The solicitor is in the Brahmas and the new executor is in the Brahmas, the Brahma Kumaris. Oh. So did they coerce a vulnerable person without the ability to make rational decisions? Thank you, Linda, for bringing that sad story to our attention. So I took a look at this Brahma Kumaris. And when I mentioned it to people, some of them were quite positive about them. They thought they were great. On the outside, they could look quite good. And let me tell you about them. They're a doomsday cult, number one. No, <laughs> Based out. on Hinduism. All right. Which means that they believe in the end of the world. But they home in on insecurities regarding the afterlife by presenting themselves as the only solution. So basically, only the Brahma Kumaris, or BK as I'll call them from now on, will escape doomsday and go to heaven. And the rest of the non-BK population will be punished severely. The date of this doomsday is close, they currently say, but no exact timings because actually previous dates have come and gone, Michelle. Of course. <laughs> so there's been loads of failed predictions made between 87, 1987 and 2008. And the original teachings also referred to a particular date in 1976. But they're all downplayed now because obviously didn't happen didn't happen purity of the soul is a key element and this tends to mean that even if you're married you treat your wife as your sister and celibacy is what they need to follow because basically anything impure like sex or anything that's completely forbidden so really they would rely on getting people in in other ways converting rather than obviously breeding people into the into the community because yeah, they won't right. be having sex and having babies. So the followers of BK say that the group provides security, which is what Linda's father was looking for, and safety in knowing that they will be happy once they die. The BKs tend to be focused on the individual, so they turn their backs on community, apart from their own, the BK community, yeah. which then isolates them due to their beliefs. And here is some of their beliefs. They think that the world is 5,000 years old. Neil would have something to say about this. Every 5,000 years, everything repeats itself. For example, this episode of the podcast happened 5,000 years ago. This is just a repeat. Oh, we're trying to get it better or it's just an identical oh, repeat? It just keeps going. Yeah, over and over. The and that's why 
point of that? Well, that's possibly why Glenn the Rat Man made a second appearance. I don't know. Perhaps <laughs> there's a glitch in the system. <laughs> And these 4,000-year cycles are composed of four ages made up of 1,250 years each. The Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Copper Age, and the Iron Age. Okay. I don't know what it means. I couldn't find out. So you start golden, you end iron, and iron is where the destruction occurs, which kills everyone on Earth to cleanse it every 5,000 years. And the belief is that modern civilization will be destroyed by a global nuclear conflict and natural calamities combined so a nice devastating doomsday prediction okay to fill you with fear and keep you on the straight and narrow yeah on the straight and narrow wow i'm getting cult vibes here (laughs) cult vibes there are some other things like for example once you advance up the ranks of bk you are told to avoid eating anything that's not plant-based or food that's not prepared by you or any other bk including family members And this adds to the isolation because you can't go to family functions, you can't eat out, you can't go to parties. And an ex-member wrote in that after becoming isolated from their family, friends and society, they lost interest in getting married. And they also said that BK members tend to donate all their life savings to BK. I know that you're nodding because you love plants and whatnot and you're a vegetarian, but they can't have garlic or onions. That's Buddhist, actually, because they're considered aggressive vegetables. And that's that. The Spiritual Foundation was established in Hyderabad in 1930 by Brahma Baba, who was a wealthy jeweler, and his real name was Dada Lekraj Kripalani, after he experienced multiple visions and spiritual encounters in the 1930s, this is. He facilitated spiritual classes with a group of about 50 to 60 people. And as it was during partition, many of the men were away fighting, so it was mostly women and children who attended these meetings. They were originally called Om Mandli, and this was because they would chant Om together. And because the teachings were based on religious devotion, celibacy and chastity, you can imagine the backlash from 1930s Pakistan because it threatened their way of life. Right. And there was a lot of community protests and the mostly female members of the Omanli were abused, threatened in their homes, all sorts of horror. In 1938, there was an angry mob that set fire to one of the Omanli's buildings and the organisation was forced out of Hyderabad and had to move to a new headquarters in Karachi. And by then, the Omanli had been handed over to a 22-year-old woman called Radha Pakadas Rajwani, also known as Om Radha. Her management was made up of eight other women and they believed that women had the right not to marry and that married women had the right to choose to be celibate, which is, in a way, is quite empowering, especially for that time. Definitely. And I can see the appeal because it's a matriarchal kind of cult, if you like, even though it was started by a man. Yes. And I want to refer back to the film Triangle of Sadness, which there's a bit of a theme of that going on in there. It's really good. I'm not going to say any more. After the 1939 tribunal, the organisation was declared unlawful and had to carry out its business in secret. And it was renamed at this point the Brahma Kumaris in 1950. They established a women-run godly spiritual university, which Linda referred to earlier in her letter. And from the 70s onwards, they began their Western expansion. So they started in London, spread through Europe. They were teaching yoga, meditation, all the wonderful things that your general hippie would love and spreading their spiritual knowledge throughout the world. 
And by the 80s, they were affiliated with United Nations agencies and recognised by the Economic and Social Councils. Hmm. So they're doing well. They are. And they seem to have a good message. But like Abraham's idea, now those who don't know, Michelle loves Abraham, who is this idea or this sort of, the, the idea that we are all one ball of light and that our bodies inhabit and we have a good time and then we go back to being a ball of light. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I guess kind of. Abraham Hicks is a collective of spirits who a woman channels and she speaks the message and essentially we're here on earth literally just to have fun and a good time and then we go back to being pure energy. That's the message. That's kind of what the BKs think as well about the old meat suit yeah. idea. <laughs> we haven't had that on the podcast. <laughs> meat suit. Meat suit. They encourage their followers to transcend labels associated with physical attributes such as race, nationality, religion and gender. And the goal is to create a global culture based on what they call soul consciousness. Doesn't sound too bad, right? It sounds like the kind of thing that I could get behind, actually. Doesn't it? <laughs> With a strict lacto-vegetarian diet, excluding no, eggs, no, no. onion, garlic, spicy food, cooked only by yourself or another Kamari, you'd love that. Sorry, guys. Well, you can't be in the BK. No. You also have to quit the alcohol, tobacco, non-prescription drugs. You've got to get up at 4 a.m. to do your early morning meditation. Then your morning class starts at 6.30. Oh, this is starting worse and worse. No. <laughs> and you've got to wear white. You've got to wear mm. white all the time to symbolize the purity. And... Really, you're only supposed to hang out with other BKs. No, I, I can't get behind this. Well, what started out as a tiny group of women kicking back against the patriarchy in the 1930s has evolved into spiritual teachings of meditation and it's somehow become toxic along the way with grave warnings from internet users that I've researched saying they've lost members of their family to the cult. For example, one woman on Mum's Net says they lost two family members oh, really? to it in what seemed to be harmless in the beginning and quickly turned toxic the moment you become devoted. This user says, much like what Linda says in her letter, that the group tend to target those suffering from poor mental health or those seeking life direction. This person goes on to say in their post that despite the BK saying that those early prayer meditation classes are because it's the best time to connect to God, it also contributes to a lack of sleep. And those of us who know about cults know that it's about deprivation, food, sleep, whatnot, yeah. get you in a sort of optimum state to be brainwashed. Compliant. And compliant mm. and controlled. Weakens resolve and autonomy. You've just ticked it all off there. Controlling food, isolating people, sleep deprivation. Yeah, which means that they become lonely and it's distressing. They need to make rules. Yeah, they need to find their like-minded people. And really, it's mm. only going to be other BKs, which means that you get deeper and deeper in and there's no way out. Yeah. Despite yeah. daily readings of the Merleys, which is religious texts, hastens the indoctrination and anything written that doesn't align with the teachings is palmed off as wrong so basically fake news the user writes factually incorrect teachings have been found in the merleys however they have been continually rewritten by bks over the years to take out anything that can be disproven right. for example approximately every 30 years they believe the world will end last one being 2012 when this doesn't happen they push it forward another 30 years and have done so several times the current belief is now somewhere in the 2030s as a cult they'll take everything off you mentally 
and when you are weak and looking for something to help you with difficulties in your life. Once you've been engaged for a while, you volunteer to work for free and the organisation takes all your physical aspects of your life. Mm. And lastly, they take everything financially. You'll never see it written or ever hear anyone ask you for money. However, via the long-term messages in the scriptures, they put you in place where you will give your inheritance, assets or money to the organisation in the name of God. And the members believe the world is temporary, so it works. This user's mother was a member from the age of 30 and she secretly practised, even though her husband wasn't a fan, and eventually she became convinced that she was not the true mother of her three children what? and turned from wife to sister to her husband. Oh, my God. She also believed that she could communicate with ghosts in the afterlife and had a direct connection with Baba, the God or founder. Yeah. And the message from God was that every single person she knew, including her family, was spying and conspiring against her from a oh specific location. God. If you are mentally fragile and you are being drip fed all of these messages, it's quite shameful how they're really targeting people maybe with like low self-esteem who are vulnerable I hear you definitely with mental health issues this woman's husband became really stressed out and eventually died and mum inherited everything only for her to cut off all her family including children except for one who had been enlisted into the BKs right the family were actually able to get their mother in to see a mental health professional who diagnosed psychosis but she did not give any consent to treatment so nothing could be done the responses to this post on mum's net were that of others in the same boat It's amazing how many people have been affected by the BKs. And one who actually attended a retreat called the teachings bonkers and overheard at the retreat, one of them telling a young girl that her friend died of cancer because he must have done something very bad in a previous life. Oh, my gosh. They claim to have eight and a half thousand centres in 100 countries, most of which are privately owned residential homes, which a lot of them take donations to pay for personal mortgages. Oh, What started, like I said, as a really great idea kind of turned into just your basic cult friends. I'm sorry. But this, we always hear this, you know. What happens? These organizations start with these wonderful ideals of love and inclusion and peace and harmony and living a different way. Yeah. And somehow it always. BK, obviously, there's not the weird sexy stuff because they're No, they don't want that because it's run by women. They're like, no thanks. But the rest of the time, it's all culty with weird sex stuff. And we just see this happen time and time again. It's such a shame. It gives good messages a bad name. But the leaders have died over and over. Dada, what's his name? Baba had died. Then Radha had died. Now there is another woman in charge. She will die. But the devotees are just going to step in and continue. It's that devoted. Wow. This is quite terrifying because it could happen to anyone. And it obviously happened to, you know, listener Linda. And obviously we don't know where she's up to in this. I don't know if she's fighting it. I don't think you can if it's all been through a solicitor. And especially if they've got their legal team on you and they're the ones in charge of the will you've got kind of no chance I mean just look at poor Michael Hutchins and what's happened to his money Uh you put your trust in the wrong hands and it can all go so badly wrong and absolutely fascinating thank you Geordie really heartbreaking that one of our listeners has encountered this in a very negative way I know sorry to hear that Linda I hope it all works out yeah me too why are you crying 
Drop it. So I have a little cult for you, Geordie. Okay. I wonder how many more there are. They just keep coming, don't they, Michelle? They just pop up like mushrooms, don't they? <laughs> but I'm going to ask you. Oh. Lordy, Lordy, Geordie. <laughs> Lordy, Geordie. <laughs> Do you think you can pray yourself thin? <gasps> if only. Because we've got a big holiday coming up where we need to be in swimsuits. Yes, I know. I've got I've got to get in a swimsuit, a costume pretty soon. And honestly, if I could just get down on my knees and pray to the Lord that to make me thin. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a, a nice, easy way to do it. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, if you were part of the Remnant Fellowship. Remnant. Remnant. A remnant. Okay. Like the end bit of a bit of fabric roll of cloth yeah yeah terrible name but there is actually a religious connection to that name okay. apparently it means you're the chosen ones oh. although to me why you're called a remnant who knows <laughs> if you were part of the remnant fellowship in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and believed the words of so-called weight loss prophet Gwen Shamblin Lara. Another lady. Who was the leader of the fellowship. Yes, I know. It's all about the, the ladies. The lady cults. I've seen pictures of Gwen Shamblin Lara. And thin. I don't mean to be mean, but she was stick thin. Oh, dear. She had dog lips lip liner. <laughs> what does that you mean? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, right, yes, black lips. Black no, liner. dog lips. Just that, the line just around the outside. Just like a black nothing liner, in nothing in the middle. Interesting. Just terrible. And she had the most ridiculously high, blonde, teased, buffy hair. She had the buff. The biggest thing you've ever seen. And at one point, this woman had a one-foot beehive hairdo. Ooh. You know what they say? The higher the hair, the closer to God. That's what they say. I'm not sure. Listen, if you were part of her weight loss group called The Way Down Workshop. Way Down. W-E-I-G-H. The Way Down. The Way Down Workshop. I love a pun. You were told that fat on your body is a manifestation of sin. Oh, great. Oh, God. So the skinnier you are, the closer to God you are. Yep. So get praying, bitch, and put down the biscuits. Put down that cake. (laughs) Put down that cake. And raise your hands to the Lord. If you want to be in heaven, you got to get skinny. So, yeah, I'm looking at the fat-shaming weight loss guru, Gwen Chamblin Lara, who was essentially a cult leader who, via the Remnant Fellowship, ran this kind of very insular, because that's what they do, they isolate, this very insular, happy, clappy church in Brentwood, Tennessee. And she preached the dodgy doctrine that dropping pounds and being skinny was a fast track to piousness. Thing is, not only was it all about dropping pounds to praise God, It was also basically this controlling cult that had allegations of child abuse, harassment, emotional abuse, and of course, they encouraged you to isolate and they took all your money. All of this was thrown at them. So I'm going to give you a quick overview here about Gwen Shamblin and the Way Down Workshops, the Remnant Fellowship and how shit went down for this cult. So she was born in 1955 in Memphis, Tennessee. And she grew up in a Church of Christ household, which is quite a weird branch of Christianity because they believe they are the one true faith and everyone else is fucked. 
We're all they condemned. all think that though. They all think that. Yeah, Come I mean, on. I'm burning in hell, according to them. They're also super strict and insular, and women are meant to be seen and not heard. So Gwen Chamblin actually kind of broke away from that to some degree, and I actually think she was a bit of a, a smart cookie, uh, mostly because she found this niche, this weight loss niche, and she ran with it. She had a master's in food and nutrition with some kind of biochemistry major from the University of Tennessee thrown in. She was a registered dietitian. She'd also been a consultant and faculty member at Memphis State University for five years. So she does have some nutrition credibility here when it comes to the whole weight loss thing. She also worked in the Tennessee Department of Health for five years. She knew her staff, but even with all this knowledge, she stacked on the weight at university oh. and she was not happy about it. But then, Geordie, God spoke to her and he told her how to eat whatever she wanted and lose weight and that she, Gwen Chamblin, was going to show the world how to praise God and lose weight at the same time. How kind of him. That was kind, wasn't it? Thank you, God. And that's when she created the Way Down Workshops. Mm. And they were a fucking smash hit right from the off because she developed this weight loss program where no exercise, no calorie counting, no weigh-ins, no food restrictions. You eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're satisfied. She says you basically wait for the growl of your tummy and then you eat until you feel full. And if you do that, you're going to be right with God because you're thin for him. (laughs) (laughs) Rhymes and puns. I'm loving it already. All she did was rebrand intuitive eating, Uh which is all about listening to your body and you eat when you're hungry, you stop when you're full. Except at Way Down, there's this added element of doing it for God. Yeah, which is impetus for some people, I suppose. Yeah, and if you're an overweight woman who is serious about religion and God, combining weight loss with actually honouring him, it's a match made in heaven. Sure. Especially as they tell you that normal diets are man-made and the rules are man-made and they're not God's rules. So if you follow Way Down... You're following God's rules and you will learn to resist the call of the cookies and instead listen to the call of God. She's smart. She's got all the lingo. She's making those connections. She says, God does not want you to be fat. And if you are, it means you are not a good servant of God. Mm -hmm. But if you follow way down, you'll get thin and you'll get salvation. This is a quote from Gwen Chamblin. She says, Way Down teaches you how to stop bowing down to the refrigerator and how to bow back down to him. And that's the gist of it. All of this is based apparently on a line in the Bible that says something like, I can't go to heaven until I lay down greed. So that's her credibility from the Bible. Look, her workshops were an instant hit and her program and philosophy spread like the plague to churches and church congregations right across America. And she had more than 250,000 people rocking up to her workshops every week. She also wrote best-selling books about the Way Down Diet. Really, her message was striking a chord with people. Stop obsessing about food and transfer that obsession to God. And if you do, she says you'll be able to stop right in the middle of that candy bar. Because if you focus your attention on God and prayer instead of the magnetic pull of the refrigerator. She says, it's amazing how free you'll feel. 
So does it work? Well. Well, it worked for her. Well, I mean, yeah, she's stick fucking thin. I tell you, she actually looks sick in many mm. of the photos. But, yeah, it a little bit in the beginning it does work because essentially you're pretty much starving yourself. And right. if you're not losing pounds and you're in way down, you are then forced to fast in a super okay. strict way where you don't eat anything at all. But obviously in the long run, you put it all back on as soon as you start eating like a normal person. And there is an HBO documentary series called The Way Down, W-A-Y, The Way Down, uh, God Greed and the Cult of Gwen Shamblin, which I did watch. It was okay. Not compulsive viewing, if I'm honest. But there are loads of overweight people talking about how way down ruined their lives because they thought they were going to weight loss classes, but they ended up in a cult. They ended up in a cult. My goodness. And look, these women aren't stupid, Geordie. Are they all women? No. I mean, there are a lot of men in the cult too, but a lot of the women were the ones that spoke on this documentary. Sure. And they're not stupid. They were just people who believed in God and was seduced by the Way Down workshops, which promised a way to lose weight that seemed easy. Remember, no exercise, no calorie counting. But it also felt meaningful for them because mm. she'd melded it with religion. So you were doing something for yourself, but also something for God. You know, it yeah. offered kind of self-care spiritually and physically, at least in the beginning anyway. The early pictures of Gwen Shamblin Lara, she was attractive, she was gorgeous and she had the ear of God. She was thin. She was bubbly. She knew how to have a turn of phrase with God's messages. Yeah, quite the poster girl then. And after she started the Remnant Fellowship, what she offered was a way to lose weight and feel supported, not just with the weight loss program, but now within the Remnant community where you would have babysitters and in-house homeschooling, legal services, Everything was contained within the Remnant Fellowship. You know, if that sounds too good to be true, it kind of was. Because, first of all, the weight loss didn't stick. But by the time you realised that, you were already sucked in. And Gwen knew it. Yeah. Which is why, in 1999, allegedly at the command of God, she set up Remnant, which was her own church that I already have talked about. And that moment is where things really sort of start to get fucked up because she not only claimed she could teach people how to get thin for God, she now claimed she knew how to help people break free from drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, overeating, overspending, the works. Everything. More than just telling you how to get thin for him, she was giving church members and way down attendees, guidelines for life. And they were not good guidelines, Geordie. Okay, like what were they? Men were basically Christ. Women are meant to be submissive and children must obey their parents. I mean, when I read that, I just thought, how could you even fucking take this woman seriously? It's really Stepford Wives, but people did. And pretty soon, Gwen Shamblin, along with other church leaders, were controlling members' finances their marriages, social media accounts, their contact with the outside world. And the church had a lot of money. And like I mentioned before, they could provide pretty much everything in-house. Doctors, dentists, Mm -hmm. schooling, childcare, legal counsel, beauty appointments, shopping, 
everything. You did not have to interact with the outside world and they didn't want you to. It was this really self-sufficient remnant bubble. Obviously, we know that's a cult and it's all about control and manipulation. Members of Remnant were constantly told that Gwen was the voice of God and that she shouldn't be questioned. And all they had to do was serve her if they wanted to serve God. In the documentary, there was this piano teacher. Basically, all her students were Remnant kids. When she kind of wanted to leave, they said to her, if you leave, you have no income, nowhere to live, no friends, no community. And she felt really trapped. But it still didn't drop for her that what she was in was a cult. She thought she was just out of church. No one really realized it was a cult. And yet, if Mm -hmm. you watch the HBO documentary, so many people talk about how Gwen's weight loss teaching triggered eating disorders, mental health problems, depression, suicidal thoughts, self-harming. Oh, my God. Yeah, at the time, they didn't see it. They were just thought they were part of a church doing God's work and dropping weight at the same time. But all they were really doing, Geordie, was lining Gwen's pockets because they were often working for free, doing everything for free, all for the good of the church. Unbelievable. And they were hurting their bodies in the process. Yeah. Because in the documentary, there's this one woman, Laura Alvarez, who was told that she needed to lose four pounds a week to be in God's good graces. So she was put on a starvation diet, which allowed her to eat 10 bites of food per day. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And then every other month, she was forced to fast for the whole month with absolutely no food except for a few sips of broth per day. Oh, my God. What was happening to this poor girl? Well, she couldn't even stand up. So when she finally managed to get to a real doctor, not the doctors in Remnant, they told her that her kidneys were full of holes that were irreparable. And they said to her, your body ate away its own kidneys because that's what it does when you go through starvation. Oh, no. And hold that thought because... No, I don't want to hold that. Starvation is what she was peddling. And it was dodgy as fuck. And more than that, Gwen Chamblin loved to go on TV. Loved it. This one time, she went on TV and she compared her eating plan to what happened in Nazi concentration camps. I thought you were going to say that. Yep. It's basically the Holocaust diet. She seriously took weight loss inspiration from concentration camp victims. And she spoke about it numerous times on TV, including in an interview in 2008 with Larry King, where she was talking about way down and she said, how in the Holocaust did you have all these people getting down real skinny? They ate less food. Oh my God, Gwen. Yep. Fuck off. She was basically making the point that when you eat less food, you lose weight. It's not genetics that influence weight loss. It's what you do or don't put in your mouth. And she seriously did not expect any pushback on that comment and was shocked when people could not see her point about genetics. She clearly couldn't see how offensive her comparison was. And in fact, in a deposition during a court case where some of her employees alleged that Gwen infringed on employee religious freedom because to work for her, you had to be part of Remnant. Go to Remnant or lose your job, basically. Yeah. She said in court, when people were in prison camps and ate less food, they lost weight. She's still banging on. Yep. And the person taking the deposition was like, uh, 
surely you're not making a comparison between the forced starvation of a population and middle-class Americans' eating habits. And they said, are you honestly doing that, Mrs. Shamblin? Mm -hmm. And she was like, I have been for 15 years and a lot of people have responded. Wow. Yep, responded that you're a psycho. This was not the only controversy that followed Gwen Shamblin and Remnant because once it started, part of her control was not just about what you put in your mouth. It's also about how you treat your kids. Oh, no. Remnant was all about ultra-discipline and teaching your kids to obey at all costs. And if you had disobedient kids, Gwen Shamblin said that it was God's judgment against you. So your kids had to fall in line for you to prove that God was on your side. And the only way to do this was through harsh punishment and spanking your disobedient children. The harder you punish the more obedient the child is what she preached. And just like Nixium, Gwen Shamblin and Remnant recorded everything. And they kept all the tapes, right? The evidence is all there of her beliefs and what she says about Mm -hmm. spanking. And there's this one recording where she says, if your kids aren't scared of a spanking, you haven't spanked them yet. Right. And she's like, if you haven't really spanked them yet, you don't love them. You love yourself, which means basically you love yourself over God. And it's super clever psychology yeah. because if you don't spank your kids, you love yourself more than you love God. It makes you vain. Spanking produces yeah. obedience and obedience is godly. It's so fucked up. Remnant devotees with kids believed this and they would start passing on top tips on how to discipline your kids. And one of the Remnant members discovered that glue sticks, which are these long, hard, square yeah, sticks of the ones glue, that go in the hot glue guns. Yes, but long ones. If you buy those and you use them to spank your children with, oh. one woman says it really hurts, but it doesn't leave marks on your kids. Oh, my God. Where's the fucking godliness in that? Disgusting. Then in 2008, two members of Remnant, Joseph and Sonia Smith, were convicted of murdering their eight-year-old son, Joseph <gasps> Smith, in oh, 2007. No. Oh, and no. look, I'm going to do a trigger warning here because this is grim. Please turn off if you don't want to hear this. He died after his parents put him in a wicker box because he wouldn't behave. Now, apparently, Joseph kept popping his head out of this wicker box. Mm. So his parents tied up the box with bungee straps oh, so fuck. he couldn't get out. And off they went to church. And at the end of the worship service, they didn't hear anything inside the box. So they took off the bungee cords and Joseph was dead. He suffocated. What's even worse, though, is that Joseph had injuries to every part of his body, except for the palms of his hands and the soles of his feet. Oh, my God. Now, in the initial arrest, reports from police and investigators wrote that Joseph had extensive bruising over his entire body. And that the parents showed no remorse because they said they felt all they had done was just discipline him for God. And they were very defensive about their religion because, you know, Remnant not only encouraged spankings, they also encouraged beatings. And in this case, the courts found overwhelming evidence that the Smiths routinely disciplined their son by beating him with glue sticks, belts, heated coat hangers and locking him in confined spaces for extended periods of time. 
tying up his hands with rope. I mean, this poor little kid never had a fucking chance. This is awful. There was also an audio recording from Inside Remnant Fellowship where Joseph Smith's mother got on a conference call with Gwen Chamblin and other remnant mothers about how to inflict harsh punishment upon their kids who wouldn't obey. And she's saying on this conference call, which is recorded, Mm -hmm. I did exactly what Ted, and she's talking about Ted Anger, who was a remnant leader. I did exactly what Ted told me to do. Take everything out of his room, Sonia Smith said. We got everything out of there and locked him in there from Friday until Monday and only left him in the room with his Bible. Gee whiz. Gwen was thrilled. She's saying, we're spoiling these kids. We're ruining these kids' lives by even letting them think about themselves at all. So thank you, Sonia, for sharing that. Joseph and Sonia Smith were sentenced to life in prison plus Mm -hmm. 30 years for beating Joseph to death. And even now, Geordie, 17 odd years later. Mm -hmm. They're still non-remorseful. No, they're not remorseful. And the Remnant Fellowship is still trying to argue that Joseph died as a result of eczema, not child abuse. They are still denying that Remnant has anything to do with this and that Joseph basically scratched himself to death. That's what all the bruising was. Not even fucking joking. Is this cult still going? Is still active? Is she still around, Gwen? The cult is active. Gwen is not. Okay. Now, I told you Gwen looks kind of crazy. These are not my words. These okay. are words of one survivor of Remnant. They said she looks like a strung out hooker. And Ooh. she fucking does. <laughs> right? You got to see her. Gwen has two fucked up kids and an ex-husband who she divorced so she could marry a guy called Joe Lara, who was a B-grade actor who played Tarzan in telemovies. Right. And to be fair, he was gorgeous in an all-American way when he was young. But when he and Gwen hooked up, they both had way too much surgery and just looked weird. Okay. But essentially, after his Tarzan stints he ended up being sort of a bit of a bum looking for a sugar mama and he and Gwen were peas in a pod he's an actor so he was really good at playing Mr. Mm -hmm. Cult Leader Mm -hmm. but it did not go down well because for decades Gwen had been telling women in Remnant and in Way Down to be submissive to suck up their bad marriages to deal with shitty husbands and just be obedient subservient women And then she went against everything she taught and got a divorce. (gasps) People were fucking livid. One rule for them, one rule for Gwen. As is always the case in a cult. Yes. But some might say Gwen got her karma when on May 29th in 2021, Gwen Shamblin Lara boarded a 1982 Cessna 501 private plane at the Smyrna Rutherford County Airport in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and Tarzan, aka her husband, was believed to have been flying the plane oh. to a We Are the People Patriots Day rally in support of former President Donald Trump okay. in Florida. So. But not long after the plane took off, it crashed into Percy Priest Lake, killing everyone on board. Right. And the cause of the crash was most likely a mechanical failure, but there has also been speculation that Joe Lara fucked up behind the wheel and crashed the plane. Mm -hmm. And since then, Remnant has been chugging along without its charismatic leader. And her two kids, Elizabeth and Michael, were expected to take over. 
but they haven't because they both have some mental health issues. And in fact, Elizabeth's husband was in the plane. So she lost her husband that day. Remnant is still limping along, but no one knows for how long, especially because there has been a lot of heat on the church after the documentary aired on HBO. With all the accusations of it being a cult, with all the revelations of what happened to this poor kid who was beaten to death. It's got a lot of heat on it, but yeah, to answer your question, it is still going because there's a lot of money in that church and they, Mm -hmm. like Scientology, have religious status, so they don't have to declare their money, they don't have to pay taxes, Remnant is still going, Way Down is still going, but Gwen Chamblin Lara? She went down. She went down, and I was going to say RIP, but you know what? It's not rest in peace. I always feel like it's rot in peace. Oh, wow. Lives ruined. Lives ruined. A small child died. It's horrific. I hate that. And what really shocks me, Michelle, is the fact that it's still going. And people are still on board with this shit. They're brainwashed. They're brainwashed, Geordie. It's a cult. All those remnant people are brainwashed. That's it. And they recruit. They are recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. recruiting. And is the message still about losing weight? That's still in there for sure. Well, they get you any way they can. Mm. They get you any way they can. You know, it's it's multifaceted. They are their own church. And there is actually in the documentary this whole side story about a family who'd lost their daughter to Remnant. And she's still part of the cult. She's having kids. You know, they want kids in the cult. They want to be teaching the new generation. generation. Horrific. Well, scary stuff. I'd rather be fat and free and happy (laughs) and uncontrolled (laughs) with uncontrolled eating. Give me the champagne and the cookies. I don't need to be thin for him. No. Watch out, people. Although it would be nice to have, you know, to be able to fit into a few nice frocks when we go to Santorini. We can do that. And if not, you know what? I'll just wear a one piece. Yes, I will be wearing a one piece. I'll never wear a two piece again. <laughs> I've still That's got all my bikinis. Not sure I can fit into those anymore. Oh, give them a go. Give them a go. And do you know what? At the end of the day, who fucking cares? Yeah. You know, it's about who you are on the inside, not what you look like on the outside. Yes. A little bit of both. But it is the way that the cults no matter if it's bk way down remnant whatever that's how they get you well we're not gonna get you because all we do is we just chit chat it's just a chitty chatty time as you well know michelle so that chitty chitty time chitty chatty time has come to an end yes and it's time to say wherever you are oh whatever you do just just keep eavesdropping Eavesdropping, 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 